Our children's book for today is Where the Sidewalk Ends by Shel Silverstein. Uh, it's a, a book of poetry for children. Uh, the animation in, in the book is, is pretty cool. I love a book of poetry and I love the idea that he wrote poems for kids. You know, one of the things that I love about a, a good poem is that the takeaways are, are different. I mean, there's just a lot of different layers and levels to it and the longer that you, you sit with a, a poem, uh, it'll speak in different ways. Um, so maybe the, the sermon today can be that. It'll speak in lots of different ways for us. Where the Sidewalk Ends by Shel Silverstein There is a place where the sidewalk ends and before the street begins and there the grass grows soft and white and there the sun burns crimson bright and there the moonbird rests from his flight to cool in the peppermint wind. Let us leave this place where the smoke blows black and the dark street winds and winds and bends past the pits where the asphalt flowers grow. We shall walk with a walk that is measured and slow and watch where the chalk white arrows go to the place where the sidewalk ends. Yes, we'll walk with a walk that is measured and slow and we'll go where the chalk white arrows go. For the children, they mark and the children, they know the place where the sidewalk ends. When someone says there is a place where the sidewalk ends, exactly what place comes to mind? I've seen those places before. You know, that place where the shopping district the malls and the restaurants and the, the storefronts, that, where that place meets the country road. I'm really familiar with that place. And I know that if I keep running, then the risk all of a sudden is higher. The sidewalk ends and um, I'm, I'm pushed beyond the curb into the grass into the, the briars and the poison ivy and the potential ankle-spraining molehill. You know, there's, there's also that place where uh, the subdivision ends. Now, you've seen it. It's past the, uh, the, the, the cute cottages and the, the pretty lawns and the flower gardens and you come to this place where it's just a a red clay lot or an open field and there's usually a, a, a porta potty nearby. You know, sometimes where the sidewalk ends, it, it feels like a dead end. Like it's not possible to, to keep going. I, f I followed a sidewalk once into this, this cool looking alleyway and I literally ran into a wall there was no place to go. Uh, I had to turn around um, and, and, and go the other direction. Now, if you're talking to, uh, to marathon people, they'll, they'll use this phrase. It's, it's, it's called hitting the wall. 
you're running along just fine. Uh, they say it's usually about mile 18 or mile 20. It was mile 14 once for me. And it's awful. Like, there's no literal wall there. You can keep going. But it's like you can't keep going. Like, everything in you is like, this is too painful. This is too hard. I can't do this. Like, that sidewalk has ended for me. I was having my quiet time a few days ago, and the, the, the scripture text that I was reflecting on was from Paul's letter to uh, the Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthians. And in this letter, he's, he's telling the Corinthian church about the Macedonian churches. And he talks about how the churches in Macedonia had experienced this severe um, affliction um, and how they were living in extreme poverty. Like, what he described about them, I think, like, there's no pretty sidewalk on that street. And, and we know about that sort of thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's just that place where it, it feels like a dead end. There's nothing more I can do. This is too bad for me to keep going forward. And so, so Paul describes these churches being in that predicament. And yet, Paul says, in spite of this uh, affliction and severe persecution, in spite of their extreme poverty, he talks about their abundant joy that overflows into generosity and how they give uh, according to their means and even beyond their means because of this deep desire to, to experience kingdom ministry. And Paul says it's because of the grace of God. They've experienced the grace of God and it's pushed them through this to this place of joy and love and generosity. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty hopeful. But you know, there's a lot of stuff that gets in the way of that. So, a lot of times things can just get in the way and they're obstacles. And that's, I think, the reality of our text, the context. Um, of Matthew 18 is where the disciples are asking this question, who is the greatest? It comes up regularly. Paul even writes about it in his letters. So it must have been a problem. Like, why do we do that anyway? Which one of us is the greatest? Who is gonna have the better seat? You know, it, it just makes me think of my chickens. I mean, I watch them. There's a clear order of things. One dominating another one. Somebody has to be uh, on the bottom rung. And, you know, Jesus, he, he ascribes greatness to the one not worried about greatness. And so he says to his disciples, unless you turn, unless you change and become like a child, you're not even going to see the kingdom of heaven. You're going to have your back turned 
to kingdom things. You're going to be going in the wrong direction. You might even be on the, the completely wrong sidewalk. Now, when we think about becoming like a child, I mean, we need to be real and, and understand that we can't look at childhood with rose-colored glasses because we know um, children can be very selfish and, and children can also be downright cruel sometimes. I mean, just ask the kid at school who's a, a little odd or a little different. Um, listen to, to his or her story about what, what life is like. But a child is trusting and, and a child uh, is dependent. A child is friendly. And I think a child is completely, you know, unconscious of, you know, all of the, of the, the dynamics um, that we throw at things, like the pecking order, like the, the color of, of our feathers. Um, you know, a, a child is able to, to be friends. Um, Shel Silverstein, uh, in, in the poem, he says, uh, we walk with a walk that is measured and slow. And when I, when I sat with that line of the poem, I thought, you know, that's a, uh, that's a very mindful, on-purpose line. Um, almost like a, a, a spiritual discipline. You know, Jesus says, unless you turn, unless you change, that's a, a very... Uh, an intentional uh, decision that, that we make. And you know, I, I think uh, kids are able to do that, maybe better than us big people. Uh, able to, to just be present in the moment, caught up in the moment, in the wonder of it all. And like anybody that they meet is, is a potential best friend. And I love that way of being. I think that was Jesus' way of being. Some of you might remember when uh, David Lamont uh, uh, came to our church and uh, presented a program in, our, in our, our Christian Growth Center. And when he was with us, he, he talked about um, uh, living in Asheville and uh, living in a neighborhood that didn't have a sidewalk. And that was, that was a problem for a couple of different reasons. First is the practical one, that without a sidewalk in the neighborhood, it, it made it really tough to, to walk the dog. Uh, it became a lot more dangerous to, um, to get out when there are uh, the cars passing and the traffic growing and traffic being what it is. Um, the other problem had to do with the community. Without the sidewalks there, uh, it was hard to get to know your neighbors. And, and he describes his neighborhood. And, and he, he talks about the diversity of his neighborhood. And if you go three houses down in any direction from his house, he was like, you've got houses uh, lived in by people of color. And you've got houses lived, uh, lived in by people who aren't of color. Um, You've got old people. You've got young families with kids. You've got uh, people with disabilities. Um, you have same gender couples. You've got single people. You've got married people. 
Uh, you've got retired people. You've got people who work in manufacturing. You've got a musician and you've got an artist and you've got a business professional and you've got a teacher. And he talks on and on uh, about the diversity of his community. Uh, he, he wrote a blog and he entitled the blog Nailing Things to My House or something like that. And in that he talks about, you know, uh, the divisiveness that's uh, present in our country, and it's, it's pretty sharp to the point that, that it's a problem. And he talks about how, and I agree with this, his conviction is that the solution to it is found in our ability to establish relationships with each other. And we know this. We've experienced this. When you get at the table with someone uh, who might be radically different from you, uh, that's when transformation starts to happen. And in his article, he's, he says he found himself saying, you know, somebody ought to, to put a sign up in the yard. And then that was a trigger for him. It's like whenever I say somebody ought to, then he realized, well, maybe that, that somebody is me. So his eight-year-old son, he and his eight-year-old son, Mason, they made this sign and they nailed it to their house. And then he got some, you know, fancy graphic artist person like our Karis either uh, to, to make it pretty. Um, and it, it looks like this, and uh, it says, You are our neighbors. No matter who you vote for, your skin color, your faith, or who you love, we will try to be here for you. That's what community means. Let's be neighbors. Isn't that a cool sign? He nailed it to his door. People are putting it in their yards. And it's this idea that community, it can happen. So that if my car battery dies, uh, there, there's someone there to help me out. Uh, if I'm out of groceries and I'm sick or I can't get to the store, or whatever it is, um, that we're not alone. And so this problem of no sidewalk in the neighborhood, of, of not being able to, to really get to know your neighbors. You know what their neighborhood did? This is what he told us when he was with us. The neighbors got together and they built a sidewalk and community began to happen. Now Jesus says, unless you change and become like a child, uh, you'll not see the kingdom. Unless you become humble like a child. Bill Humphreys gave me a book, a uh, classic book, written in 1895 um, by Andrew Murray. And it's just simply in, entitled Humility. Uh, Andrew Murray says, As saints, we have the mystery of grace, which teaches us that as we lose ourselves in the overwhelming greatness of redeeming love, humility becomes to us the fulfillment of everlasting blessedness and adoration. Nothing is more natural and beautiful and blessed than to be nothing so that God may be all. And I thought, maybe humility is where the sidewalk ends. And maybe it's on purpose, like a spiritual discipline, like Jesus said. Maybe uh, cooling in the peppermint wind 
is allowing God to breathe God's breath, allowing the, the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow. And if we stop just long enough, or maybe pause just long enough to let God get hold of us, then maybe we can become like children again. Because it seems to me that children know the way to go. It's faith like a child. Where the Sidewalk Ends by Shel Silverstein. There is a place where the sidewalk ends and before the street begins, where the grass grows soft and white and where the sun burns crimson bright. And there the moonbird rests from his flight to cool in the peppermint wind. Let us leave this place where the smoke blows black and the dark street winds and bends. Past the pits where the asphalt flowers grow, we shall walk with a walk that is measured and slow and watch where the chalk white arrows go to the place where the sidewalk ends. Yes, we'll walk with a walk that is measured and slow and we'll go where the uh, chalk white arrows go for the children they mark and the children they know, the place where the sidewalk ends.